Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. We've got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. we got a lot of vehicle discussion today. Miss Sarah, how are you this morning? I'm good. I have tons of uh, new vehicle well, Lay, information. Let's, let's dive right in. What do you got? Well, first things first, I've got a brand new vehicle. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I'm going to give a quick shout out. I got it over at Marshfield Chevrolet, yes. which is where I actually got my Chevy Cruze. And my salesperson, his name was Jerry Lee. Absolutely fantastic individual. Awesome. He was super easy to work with. Every single step of the process, it was not a problem. And we were able to get the vehicle. Within just a couple of days of us taking it out for a test drive, we took it out for a test drive. We talked to numbers. We took it for a pre-purchase inspection, and then we bought it. So That's it's great. Congratulations. Thank I know you. it's been a long, I say tireless, but it was exhausting <laughs> It journey, really I was, guess. and it's so difficult. I've mentioned it a couple times, but it's a lot harder to test drive vehicles and find something that you like whenever you have a little one with mm-hmm. you because then you have the, the car seat issue. And so thankfully, we were able to get that situation all figured out. So I am now driving a 2018 Hyundai Kona. Excellent, excellent, yes. excellent. So you went from, you know, a sedan or a, a passenger car mm-hmm. to, I guess, a crossover or a yes. smaller SUV. How is it uh, getting the little one in and out of the SUV? So much easier. Yes. First things first, the car seat, you know, the owner's manual of each vehicle tells you where you can place mm-hmm. your car seat. And in my cruise, it recommended that I place it in the middle, yes. but I could place it on the sides. But it did recommend in the middle, so that's what I did. And that was kind of a pain in the butt because it's set down mm-hmm. so much lower. But this one I can... Kind of have to, like, crawl in Literally, yeah. <laughs> Yes, and so I'm so glad I don't have to do that. I'm able to put it on one of the yes. the sides, and it's just basically even. I don't have to, like, bend over. I just put it in there and click them in, and That's we're all good to go. Fantastic. Yeah, so it, it is a crossover, and it is the best of both worlds, mm-hmm. really. It's very spacious, but it doesn't feel like a bigger vehicle, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, I'm so- not driving, like... A giant vehicle. So parking it's still fairly easy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it has a backup camera too. Oh, fancy, fancy. I know. So I don't ever use it, <laughs> but it is a, a nice feature to yes. have. So yeah, I do like it. That's awesome. How does the husband, Mr. Ryan, how does he like it? He likes it. He basically took it on like a 70 mile test oh, drive. Good. Uh, yeah. Good. So he took it from the dealership over to A1 to do mm-hmm. our pre purchase inspection and then he drove it back. So he really got a good feel for the vehicle excellent well i know you know you guys stuck to your guns you went through several that you know weren't a good fit yes and so you know we don't have a crystal ball obviously i would love to tell people that you know i can't really look internals inside of things or you know some of the logic or electricity or network communication that it does but we were able to identify some some pitfalls on some of the other vehicles that you guys didn't purchase those problems. Yes. And so, you know, regardless of kind of where we're at, we avoided a lot of that. And I think you guys did awesome in what you guys were able to, you know, continue and not just get frustrated. I think people a lot of times, you know, they see it, you know, they bring it in, they don't get the the news that they're they're looking for. And so they do that two or three times and then they give up on the process and then they just buy a problem. And that's fine as long as you're prepared to deal with the problem. I buy a lot of broken vehicles. 
I do it all the time. I'll probably do it in the next week or two. I'll find something that somebody else has given up on and I can buy it for a song and do the, you know, sweat equity part of it. But for most folks, that's very stressful. You know, to me, that's just my day-to-day life. That would be like me going, you know, to somebody else's profession that I'm not familiar with. It's going to be stressful, that unknowing part. But you guys stuck through the, you know, nope, this one's not a good fit and didn't really, I say you didn't get discouraged. Did you ever get discouraged? I guess I should ask you. I mean, just a little bit. It it was more or less trying to figure out a time Mm -hmm. that would work for us and to get us in there and scheduling things. That was the the part that really frustrated me. logistics side of things. Yes, but I knew that my car was in really good shape, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't something that I had to, like, go and rush and get within just a couple of days. I knew that I had some time to kind of shop around, and that made it a little less stressful. That makes me super happy to hear that. For all you out there, because I'm sure Sarah and Ryan are not the only ones that have been looking for a vehicle. Have you ever heard the term uh, FOMO? Mm -mm. So it come up, I think, in the last couple of years is where I essentially picked up on it. And it it is the fear of missing out is what FOMO stands for. And so it was referred to in the hot housing market, which you and Ryan got to experience as well. You know, where you guys would put offers in and they would just go, you know, and... The markets are changing quite a bit at the moment. So it's still a very hot automotive market. Um, But as we see kind of some of the real estate stuff kind of start to, I want to say normalize, because I don't really know that that's a a real thing anymore in the last few years. But the amount of repossessions, I think, Sarah, you and I talked about this last week. Um, There was a lot of people went out and bought new cars in the beginning of the pandemic and everything, as well as all the stimulus money and whatnot. So they were able to qualify for vehicles that they normally would not have been able to qualify. And then the new car shortage that is still going on, and we're probably a year and a half, two years at best for that to happen so the used car market is starting it's going to start to have some kind of a a a better options or choice if you're out there be patient you know i think that's wonderful sarah you and ryan were able to do that it worked out in your favor you guys really not only you know needed to shift up but you kind of outgrew you know your lifestyle has changed and outgrew um the the chevy cruise what's your fuel economy on the hyundai have you kind of done any crunching of it is it worse is it better you know i think it's probably about the same i don't know the specific number but i did get a full tank of gas on saturday and i am the lottery yes (laughs) so it's lasting me quite a bit of time so it's it's pretty similar i have a feeling that i'm probably gonna have to fill up about once a week which is what i was filling up with the cruise so that's not too different and a lot of it is highway miles that i'm driving sure and you know the cruise one of the high points about the cruise is it got incredible fuel mileage yes that's a and you know with the turbo as long as you're not experiencing issues with it, (laughs) they're fun to drive. They're, they're peppy. They get up and go, they get great mileage. Um, so with you kind of moving a little bit into, it's not really a bigger vehicle, but that crossover gives you some, some more ground clearance, sits up a little bit better. That's a, a great, great option. I'm glad to see, and I say fuel prices, you know, at least coming down a little bit, they're clearly not where they were, you know, like two and a half, three years ago. 
Uh, I would sure like to see those numbers, but I'm glad to see them at least pause for a time being and maybe come back. I saw diesel under $5 a gallon this morning, which, you know, I think I was coming in and the Phillips 66 there at the end of Battlefield, I want to say was 489 for diesel. Uh, I'm going to be doing some, I'm going to pick up a car this weekend up by Kansas City. Uh, that's going to probably cost me, I bet, two. 250 bucks to go up there and back where you know this time a couple years ago i probably could have done that for 100 bucks or so and you know normally my daily commuter is not a diesel powered pickup but i do a fair amount of towing and and hauling of of uh, various things and it gives me a lot of opportunities where if i didn't have the right equipment and the ability to do so but long story short you got to pay to play and you know you got to make sure it's worth your while feeding the old diesel that it's earning its keep it's been a a really good good deal and vehicle now that i have a few diesels and i tow with them i had never been a diesel guy prior to the last few years i've always done everything i needed with a gas vehicle but having that torque and power and performance of a diesel is absolutely awesome i don't know how much we got a few minutes before we got to step into a break we do sarah i know we did a little towing with uh, ryan this weekend we went and picked up your next project vehicle. Yes, I'm very excited. I, it's been a big week for me for mm-hmm. automotive news. Yeah, we decided to pull the trigger and we pulled out the little blue GMC mm-hmm. that I've been talking about for, oh, I don't know, probably a couple of months now. Yeah. And she definitely needs a lot of love. She, I think Ryan told me that it had been sitting in the, the literal barn field, the pasture with the cows since 1998. It doesn't surprise me. And as we hooked the winch and the trailer and everything to drag it up on the trailer, normally I back up there and get everything lined up and I hook the winch. I've got a, I think it's a 5,500 pound winch. So, you know, it's not a huge winch, but for broken cars, that truck probably weighs, I would say 2,800, maybe, maybe 3,000 pounds tops. Normally that winch rolls it right up on there. But it, the, the earth had tried to reclaim and I'm sure you saw it. Yes. We had to dig down underneath uh, where the tires and wheels had sunk in order to get to the valve stem. Surprisingly, uh, you know, I, I talk quite often. I carry a portable air compressor with us uh, pretty much every time, everywhere I go. We were able to air up some of those tires, and they took air. I couldn't believe <laughs> it. But it helps makes it roll easier. And then Ryan was able to you know, get some shovels and dig us out. And we were able to get it winched up and get it to its new home for a while. Yes, we're really excited. We are going to do our first steps. I think we're going to drain all of the fluids out of it. We're going to get new tires on it. And then we're going to give her a bath. She needs one, it's definitely. It's a great place to start. Yes. So I think that that's the, the first steps that we're going to do. And then we'll start getting into kind of the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of it. So, of course, we'll make sure to update. And I'm probably going to have a ton of questions for you (laughs) well we will we will definitely uh field them so we are up against our first break sarah and i will pick up on the other side your complete car care solution a1 custom car care welcome back got sarah and dustin a1 custom car care sarah you have a question i say from a listener does he listen or is he just a friend he is a... I say just a friend. That sounds like he's like, oh, you know, just a friend. <laughs> well, let me tell you, this is Billy. He is not just a friend. He is like the he's best the friend. the best friend. Okay. He is. And let me tell you, whenever he asked me to ask you a question on air, 
Mm-hmm. I knew that it had to be pretty serious because Billy is a car guy. He's That's a awesome. car enthusiast. Sounds like my kind of peeps. Yes, you would love him. He loves to get out under the hood, try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so whenever he texted me this, I thought, uh-oh, this has got to be pretty serious. So I've got two text messages for you, okay. and we're going to see if we can help him with his problem. So he said, his car is currently not running. It has no spark. He's replaced the crank position sensor and module. I'm not getting any signal from crank to ICM. Uh, it, so what's ICM? Let's. I have a, no idea. What does that mean? Ignition control module. Okay, cool. Yeah. So he's not getting any signal from crank to ICM. Yep. It does have voltage going to it through both ICM and crank. Excellent. And they both have power. It's a 93, 2.3, eight plug, four cylinder. Very nice. And then he followed it up with, it was rather sporadic. It was never consistent on when it would start or wouldn't start. It didn't have to be cold or hot for it to run. He's also replaced three different ICMs on it and also fixed the broken wire on the old crank position sensor and put it back on and still nothing. Okay. So what is his problem? Well, I would love to like have the silver bullet. I would be totally gangster if I could just be like, bam, this is what's going on. But I'm going to go at this a little different. So the fact that he's been able to check the wiring integrity and find a broken wire, I got to tip my hat to him on that because there's a lot of you know even seasoned technicians that struggle with finding the broken wire or the bad connection but there are some tests that you know need to be done or will be done and i'd like to kind of talk about that to to hopefully shed some light on that so if you check for voltage which sounds like billy has done which is fantastic Sometimes I will have voltage, but the wiring will not be able to carry current. And so what I mean by that is when I check it with a voltmeter, it is not loaded at that time. Basically, it's kind of a static. There's no stress or impact on that circuit. It's a surface charge. So you can have either a poor connection or even one strand of the wiring attached and you will think that the wiring integrity is good but the next step that i will do from that is i will put a artificial load on the wiring so when he's running through the wiring i'm assuming he's got some information you know even google sometimes on that old vehicle will show some wiring diagrams and you know what your power and ground wires are which is what he's you know been checking to find voltage which is perfect the next step to that is i will use a light bulb And that light bulb requires a certain amount of amperage to flow through the circuit in order to light the light. So it's a a very, you know, I'm from Missouri, so I'm in the show me state. I want to see the system operate and be able to carry load. So what I'm going to do in if I'm in his shoes is I'm going to go to those areas that I checked for powers and grounds. And then I am going to take a 12 volt, um, it could even be 1157 for a light load, or even up to like a 9006 headlight, sealed beam light, some kind of an incandescent, not LED. It needs to be a light with a filament in it. And I will load that. I prefer something that carries or draws somewhere around 2 to 4 amps. And that won't burn up a circuit, especially on an older vehicle. Now, we're talking about 93 model. This is a very basic system. So I will load each one of those wires. If it will burn a good, bright bulb, then I know that the wiring integrity from point A to point B is good. 
Okay, so that's where I'm going to start with all of those. I'm going to make sure that if it's supposed to have power and ground, you know, because typically when I look at a wire, sometimes people will use, you know, a known good ground, you know, say the engine block or, you know, a good place on the chassis. But I want to use the ground that's being supplied to whatever it is that I'm checking. So if I'm checking a cooling fan, if I'm checking a blower motor, if I'm checking power to a module, I will have power and ground at that pigtail or that plug as you unplug whatever that device is. And I will very carefully, I'm not going to bend the pins. I'm not going to jab anything in there. I want good tension on those female side of the pigtail that I'm going to very gingerly do a good job not to open up the connection or bend anything. I'm going to back probe or, or front probe in this case the supply voltage and the ground because in 12 volts you have to have power and you have to have ground if you have power and no ground the system will still not operate and i'm going to load each one of those wires and i'm going to make sure that it's not just a pale or dim light i want it to be just as bright as if i took the positive and negative terminals of the battery and applied power and ground directly to that bolt so that's how i'm going to functionally load and test that circuit not just make sure that it has supplied voltage so hopefully that made sense it was very long-winded i understand that but billy if you've done all this already you know that you, you you have the skills to do this next step once i do that and say i do have good power and good ground you know you've replaced the ignition control module sounds like a few different times so you know i'm gonna and I don't want to assume, but obviously, you know, all th the likelihood of all three of those control modules being bad is very low. So once I have power and ground verified, the next step gets a little bit more in-depth and may require a little bit more equipment. But I would look at, at the shop level, we have oscilloscopes or the ability to look at a very fast waveform. Now, if you have a digital multimeter, that's great, and that does a good job, but the refresh rate is too slow to be able to pick up and watch a crank sensor turn on and off. That's a very, very fast signal in most cases. This makes you maybe have to buy a little bit more equipment, and there are are some reasonably priced ones. I actually have one from AES Wave. They're a great website for automotive diagnostic tools. Um, that was, I think, on sale for like $2.99. It's a very small, it's called a U-Scope. There's a lot of videos out there on YouTube. You can reference that. Um, if you're ever looking for one, AES Wave is where I ordered mine from. It's a very small pocket scope. And you can actually look at the digital pattern that the crank sensor is turning on and off and see if you're getting that pattern to the control module. So I'm getting a little in the deep in the weeds here, but clearly this wasn't just a simple cut and dry problem that you're dealing with. And that's how you're going to narrow down or what you should expect, you know, if maybe you're not a high level, um, you know, kind of do it yourself or like Billy's doing, this is what you should expect at a shop. A lot of times what happens at shops is you don't have the right skill set or the equipment to do these tests and you end up having a technician throw a lot of parts or guess. And a lot of times you can fix cars with guesses. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Um, you know, experience and time or even Google sometimes can get a little wood on the ball and, you know, you're right, but it gets very expensive 
very quickly throwing parts at cars and not getting to the root cause. So our company is built around getting to the root cause. It's not always easy. It's not always simple. And I don't always get it on the very first go. I'll be completely transparent. But as I'm working through a problem like Billy's doing, this is what this is what I'm doing. So at this point, I'm going to look at my wiring diagrams and I'm going to check at different points in the harness to see whether I have a good crank signal back to the ignition control module. The other thing that I would be very interested to know is whether it had injector pulse. So a lot of times you will have different um, components fail and it will be in your best interest to see whether you have spark. That's a great, good place to start fuel pressure or fuel delivery up to the engine. And then on a fuel injected vehicle, I'm going to want to know whether it has a pulse to the fuel injectors. That will tell me a lot. And so that would be the next thing that I, I would like. So they have something and they're pretty cheap. They're called Noid lights. You can unplug the injector and see if it has pulse. You can take a automotive stethoscope, crank the engine over and listen directly to the fuel injector and see if it has a very distinct tapping noise. That's also kind of a down and dirty way. Um, on some vehicles, it's hard to get the connector unplugged, but you can set or, or access down to the fuel injector with a stethoscope and you will hear an audible tap. Some of my old school guys out there may take a long screwdriver, hold it down on the fuel injector and stick their ear to the end of it and hear that tap resonate through the steel full tang of the screwdriver. And that will show me or, or indicate whether it has injector pulse or not. If that's the case, then I'm going back to a control input, such as a crank sensor, cam sensor, etc., or module input, and say, hey, I have a combined issue. It's not just a loss of spark. Uh, but I digress. I'm, I'm kind of getting down into the diagnostic weeds, but very important information. So the other thing I, I will do is if it is just a loss of spark, uh, I will, or, or say maybe it's a loss of fuel delivery, I will add an alternative fuel source to it and see if I can get the vehicle to run for a brief time on an alternative fuel. So that's kind of a nice, now if you don't have spark, that indicates, hey, it's not typically a fuel delivery issue or it's a lack of a ignition source to light the engine off and get it to fire up and run. So, Billy, my advice at this point is, A, I would sure like to know whether it has injector pulse or not. B, if you will load the powers and grounds coming from that ignition control module, maybe even into the PCM if that is a separate module on that vehicle. And then C... If we do have all that, a digital multimeter typically is not fast enough to pick up on the toggling of a digital crank sensor. You may need to either find somebody that's got an oscilloscope or if, you know, this is something you dabble in quite often, you know, investing in a small use scope and learning how to use it will kind of separate the men from the boys, if you will. It really levels you up as far as your ability uh, once you start to get a good handle on that. I realize that was a very long-winded but fantastic question. So I hope that shed some light on it. I would love to continue this with a little more information. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. Sarah and I are going to step into a break. We'll be right back in a moment. 
Welcome back. Sarah and I are halfway through the show. I realized that last segment I probably like went super nerd out there, but uh, you know, that's kind of, that's what I love. I do it. I love it. I love getting to the bottom of what's going on with a car or, you know, being able to make it better than it was even sometimes during manufacturing. And that makes a huge difference to our customers. Sarah, I think I talked to you here a while back. Um, I was able to do some not even restorations. It was almost like a resurrection of vehicles that have been sitting. And essentially, that's kind of what you and Ryan are up against here is you guys are resurrecting a vehicle that has sat forever. Slowly but surely. So the last like true resurrection, it's been a while back, um, but when I delivered the, it was a truck as well. It was a square body Chevy. When I delivered it back to the customer, they're kind of a family friend of ours. Um, they grew up in the same small town. The lady actually broke down in tears. She Aww. cried. Made me feel, obviously, like, you know, I can't stand to see a woman cry, but this, these were tears of joy. You know, we were able to get something going that she never thought was going to be able to, to, to run again. And, I, you know, it was one of those things. It was a joyous moment, I guess. It wasn't a sad moment. It was a lot of sentimental um, attachment to, I think all of us, we get that way a little bit. You know, we get comfortable we hopefully like what it is we're driving, we're living in, whatever the case may be. Um, but I did something here. Uh, I think, Sarah, you know that I have a little bit of an auction habit. Yes. Have you gotten wind of that? that hey, you know I what? I like the auction finds. The one that you use, Purple Wave. Purple Wave, yes. I saw a vehicle <gasps> that was all wrapped in a Purple Wave yes, advertisement. Yes, <laughs> And I don't know any of them, but I love them. Purple Wave is kind of a Midwest auction uh, company, and so they'll have anything from furniture to vehicles. My personal favorite ones are non-operational. It says it in the auction, says they're broken, they uh, don't work. Sometimes it'll tell you, sometimes it won't. But, you know, because of my background and my skill set, you know, someday maybe I'll buy something nice that actually works, you know, and new. I take that back. I do have an, uh, a newer tractor that I bought brand new, and that was a great uh, purchase. It was something that I didn't really have time to be working on a tractor. Uh, I didn't want to have to constantly be working on an old tractor. So I did buy a new tractor, but typically my vehicles come in and they're broken. And this last one, I, I thought I would share this with everybody. Um, I think, Sarah, you knew that I was building a dump truck mm. in the last year. Yes. so. Uh, my budget for a dump truck, obviously that's not a vehicle that I like need, you know? So my budget was like very little. So sweat equity is what dictated the, uh, the investment in the old dump truck. I needed to do a lot of gravel work and it was really in my best interest to be able to haul my own gravel versus having to pay somebody. And I'm not one to run a shovel for days and days. I've hauled about 60 ton of gravel to my house. Uh, we have Clever Stone, which is fantastic rock quarry very close to us. Anybody that has the option, uh, Clever Stone is, is my go-to place for gravel and sand and, and whatnots, especially since I built a little dump truck. So I got, I don't know, maybe two or three grand and many, many, many hours in this small dump truck that I've got, and it served me very well. And in reality, I basically have been able to pay for it, uh, you know, or recoup my cost because I'm not paying for delivery fees. So... It's one of those things that, you know, as you 
end up with older vehicles and whatnot, caring for them is a big deal. But the reason I bring all this up is pretty much each one of these non-operational auction finds that I tend to, you know, be on the lookout for is usually because somebody gave up on it. And they're really, you know, I've been very fortunate I have not really been burned on them, but what I find most of the time, and the reason I thought we should talk about this today, is they kind of get put back in the, you know, in the fence row or out to pasture, if you will, and people forget about them and they leave them there. And then before you know it, they're in worse shape and they won't typically start is, is mostly what I'm ended up looking for because you can get them very, very reasonable or even cheap, if you will. But I, I basically do a restoration, change the fluids get everything going again, find out what the root cause and what everything, you know, seized up as it sat there. So a lot of times I'm pulling stuff out that hasn't run um, in many years. So the little dump truck I got for hardly nothing actually had a brand new engine put in this vehicle. Can you believe that, Sarah? That a brand new engine. What happened is they put a brand new engine in it. It ran for, I think he told me about 5,000 miles. And it quit and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And so it sat in the back of their their lot. It was a big construction company. And they got frustrated with it and they, they gave up on it. And they they ended up listing it. I bought it for just right at about $1,000 is what I gave. This engine that they put in it, I guarantee, is probably a $12,000 engine. It is a 7.3 turbo diesel. It's a 99 model, intercooled, with a brand new motor. And I didn't know any of this until I went to pick it up. It just said non-operational. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take a gamble on this one. Long story short, we found a connection problem with the ICP solenoid. And for two new batteries and fixing that connection problem, that truck ran like a brand new one. And I was like, score, you know, that's a, that's a win. But what I find is people get to this point, you know, to where they're testing and they're doing all this and they're buying parts and changing things. And a lot of times, sometimes it's just simply better to get it to somebody that's familiar with the problems. Because this company essentially took a very big loss on this truck just in their investment of the cost of the engine. Obviously, it was a great deal for me. But they gave up on it. They had had enough. They got frustrated. They threw up their hands and they said, nope, it's going to be somebody else's problem. Well, that problem's not for everybody, clearly. But for a, a small investment of somebody that is truly into diagnostics, there's a lot of mechanics out there. I dare say there's a lot of very, very good mechanics out there. But with the way the world is changing, having somebody that can properly diagnose. And this doesn't just have to be about cars. It could be your hot tub at your house. It could be electrical. It could be somebody to give you the correct legal advice. And thank you. I've got a great guy that uh, is a, a, a big deal in my life that gives good legal advice. And, you know, it's not free. You get what you pay for. But uh, I digress that it is important to get the correct information in order to make a decision. Otherwise, A, it's extremely frustrating, and B, you can spend a ton of money in the wrong places and not have a good outcome. And I've done it. I'll be very frank. There's times where I get myself in over my head, and it costs me dearly. But I look at that as a learning experience that, hey, one of two things. Either I learn something for my investment, which you know sometimes is expensive, but those are the ones you don't forget, or... I learned that sometimes the right tool 
or the right person for the job is worth every penny of it. I don't know any of you out there that have tried to do your own plumbing and then called a true plumber, but a plumber earns every bit of every dollar that he gets. That is, I have been so frustrated over the years doing DIY plumbing projects, and later in life, I'm like, it was much more cost-effective even to pay somebody to come in and fix that right the first time instead of me trying to save, you know, where I'm tripping over dollars to pick up dimes here, that I can have somebody with the skill set, the right skill set, the right mindset that understands, hey, this is the right way it should be done, not just, hey, I got it connected and it's not leaking right now. A long-term good solution to the problem versus me kicking the can down the road. And I'm just being real with you guys. You know, I it's not that I don't understand plumbing, but I'm not a plumber. Thankfully, I have some amazing folks in my circle that are great plumbers. I mean, they're fantastic. And I make sure that, you know, they're taken care of and paid very well. I don't expect it to be a freebie, nor do I expect it, you know, just to, uh, you know, drop everything and come take care of business. I try and make it as seamless and easy for them to do as good of a job, as easy as possible. The older I get, the more I understand that time is definitely worth something. But time flies. We're up against our last break. Sarah and I will be back in a minute. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. We got just a little bit of time. I stumbled onto something. It was honestly, I think, like a YouTube short or may have been something. I don't know where it originated from, but it really kind of struck a chord. I love being an automotive technician. I truly do. Sarah, do you believe that statement? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there, there's nothing else. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty skillful guy. You know, I could get into construction if I wanted to do, you know, whatever. I feel like I could be successful doing it. I choose to do this for a living. And the the longer I've been doing it, the more I have found like-minded people. And so we have a tremendous amount of folks that also love it just as much, if not more, than I do. But I found a little, uh, I guess, a segment, if you will, and I sent it to Sarah. What, before we play it... Did you give it a listen? I did. What were your initial thoughts? Not to just put you on the spot, but it, it really kind of struck a chord with me. Uh, what was kind of your just raw kind of reaction to it? You thought it was lame? You think no, it was I thought it, I thought it was nice. And I thought that it meant a lot more seeing the fact that it came from you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I sent it out to actually a lot of my peers, I guess, you know, that, that I know have the same passion. But Sarah, if you don't mind to cue it up and, and let everybody out there in listening world hear it. This one's called... Where mechanics go. Where do mechanics go when they die? Well, before I tell you where, I'll tell you why. You see, when a mechanic dies, he don't go to heaven or hell. And that's because his hole is too hard to sell. Satan don't want him because he says they're too mean. And St. Peter won't let him in because grease is a bitch to clean. With ratchets and wrenches and sockets and such, he don't want wings because they don't come with a clutch. Well, the man on the moon needs help pulling that thing across the sky. So that's the place where all mechanics go when they die. They've got pulleys, generators, and engines of every size to keep that thing glowing and moving across the night skies. And every now and then that light will go out, but they get her up and going and back on route. So it's true that a mechanic never stops working. Even after death, they're just up there smirking. <laughs> I I bet I've listened to that. I, I, I don't even want to tell you because it's been several. But I, I get a just a, a like a little kid joyous smile every <laughs> time I hear that because it's it's the God's honest truth. I mean, you know, you typically don't find people that do this job strictly for a paycheck. You know, it's not like, 
that, that that's not what a, a real mechanic technician gets out of this. We got to make a living. We got to keep the lights on at home. We got to take care of the kids and the family as well. But uh, it's a bigger kind of deal. And I'm really happy to have found that. I see a lot of people that don't find that in life sometimes. And they, you know, they stick out that job that they hate because they have to. And I've seen a lot of old technicians, old mechanics you know, that have gotten older. It's not an easy job. It, you know, there are tougher jobs out there. I'm not saying it's the hardest in the world, but that really kind of struck a chord because even when I'm, you know, at home or whatever, I don't turn that off. It's not like, eh, you know, and, and I do think about other things, but a lot of times if you're going to talk to me, it's probably going to be about something going on. And, you know, it's served our family well. It really truly has. And I've been able to do a lot for a lot of other people as well, which is just really cool. So I don't know, what would you call that? A lyric or a... a, a maybe a poem. poem. Maybe. Yeah, maybe a poem. And I just thought, man, that, you know, I'm not quite, I don't have that gift, if you will. But whoever came up with that, they did a really good job. And I just thought, man, that's very true a lot to that. You know, old technicians are famous for being grouchy and grumpy and rough. But once you kind of get past a lot of that, thankfully, I have been blessed to have a lot of that experience be entrusted to to me to carry on those skill sets there's a lot of things you can learn in books and from seminars and whatnot but there's also a lot that just you have to experience you have to have the school of hard knocks so i don't know i thought that was pretty doggone neat yeah i thought it was pretty nice yeah and you know i i hope when i'm an old man that you know i can look back and I'm working on being an old man at this point in time. But, uh, you know, I can look back over my career and time. And a lot of times, you know, I will be riding through Springfield by myself or with the family. And I see cars that I have been able to be a part of keeping them on the road for decades at this point. I can tell you that seven years ago at 160,000 miles... I did a fuel pump and dual exhaust, and then I did full brakes on that. Oh, yeah, and later, you know, when the transmission gave out, I was able to get that vehicle back going with a a good replacement transmission. I made sure to service, and and I'm just kind of, you know, these are the thoughts that grow through my mind when I am driving around and see vehicles. I was literally walking in the house last night, and there was a vehicle that drove by, And I could hear that it had a bearing just screaming just to beat the band. And they're just, you know, turn the radio up and keep going. And even as I hear vehicles start or stop or pass me in traffic or I'm watching them, you know, I I can't help but turn that off. Um, Nor do I want to really, to be honest. I really enjoy that part of it. You know, I don't want to be the the guy in the gym that's going around and giving gym advice, you know, all the time. But in, in... you know, my day to day, if I see something going on, I'm the guy that'll try and get your attention that, Hey, you got a flat tire. Hey, that, you know, sure doesn't sound right. I was stopped to get fuel there and clever at the, uh, it used to be a come and go. I think it's a Phillips 66 or a Oakwood station. I think they just changed hands. There was a gentleman started his day. Uh, thing was overheating to beat the band and he had pushed it too far and it had blown head gaskets on it immediately. I could see when he cranked it up that I got, combustion gas inside the cooling system and of course i was in full uniform and you know he knew that this is what i did for a living i said hey bub you know you're you're at a point that this thing's not going to be fixed here in the parking lot you need to get a tow truck you need to get it home you need to get it to a shop whatever the case may be 
but you have an internal combustion issue getting into the cooling system, and this is just not something that you're going to be able to let it cool down and, and be able to drive off. So, you know, I, I, I really enjoy being able to share that and help with folks. You know, when you look at a, buying a new vehicle or buying a new-to-you vehicle or getting mileage out of the vehicles that you own, um, I, I like new vehicles. I'm not a new vehicle hater by no means. The older I get, the more bells and whistles that I want. I want heated and cool seats, and I want power running boards, and I want the backup camera and whatnot. And at some point in time, you know, I will get there. I'm very blessed to be able to drive my vehicles. Um, our service truck, I actually uh, drove our shop truck here today. It has, it's a six liter Chevy. I think it's an 07, three quarter ton, single rear wheel, two wheel drive. We've put a few transmissions in that. I think we've overhauled the rear differential. We've done brakes a, a ton of times. I did pull the cylinder heads on it at one time and redo um, the valve train in it. But as I pulled in here to the radio station, we've had that truck for probably 17 ish years i would assume and it's got 365,000 miles on a gas six liter in a chevy pickup if you can't be proud of that i don't know what you can be proud of not only my uh the reason i drove it is i've got the truck and trailer on i'm going to go pick up a truck for one of our employees this evening after work and uh it's got 370,000 on it my excursion's got 442 i think um you know, we've been able to get so much of a return on investment, and that's really what it's about. And there's a lot of you out there listening that that are customers, clients, friends, whatever you want to call it, part of our A1 custom family that I've watched you guys be able to keep your vehicles paid off for almost 20 years, and I've been able to be a part of that, and I really enjoy and get a ton out of that to give you the option that, hey, if you want to go buy a new vehicle, great, but you don't have to. You know, I look at my mom's vehicles, you know, um, I think... Did a little bit of work to her Chevy Trailblazer. She's got an O2 Trailblazer, four-wheel drive. And I've done quite a bit of work to it, but she's getting ready. She, I think when I you know, sent it back to her this last time, it had 296,000 miles on an O2 Trailblazer. And the thing still runs and drives like it's supposed to. Air conditioning works, four-wheel drive works, got good tires, good brakes. I did put a transmission in it a couple years back. Um, I've done brakes on it a billion times. She, she likes to use the old brakes, but... Uh, that just, I get a lot out of that. If she wants to go buy a new vehicle, awesome, do it. But she doesn't have to. She's not in a spot that she has to because hers has failed her. That's, that's, I guess that's why I do this, Sarah. What do you think about all that? You know, I was just thinking to myself, you did not bring out the soapbox this show. I did But you did bring out a little bit of sappiness. A L- little sappy, a little sentimental there. Yeah. A little bit of, you know, my heart on the sleeve there a little bit. <laughs> You know what? And I'm totally cool with that. I think that's, you know, that's part of the magic, you know? I say magic like it's this big thing that we do. I don't know that it's that cool, but I think it's pretty doggone cool. Well, I had tons of, like, negative news to share. Oh. I'm, you know what? I'm not <laughs> even going to share it. We needed, like, kind of uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, we've been kind of pooping on everybody's parade, and, and I have had the soapbox out, but today wasn't the the soapbox no i felt like we were actually very (laughs) positive (laughs) well i hope everybody out there experiences a little bit of that you know it's there is a lot of things and you can focus on the crappy side of things you know why did this have to happen blah 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 um i forget what i was even going through this week but one of the scenarios that the gentleman was talking about he's like you know why did my car have to break down 
Well, you had the opportunity to have a car. Not everybody's got that. But Sarah, this has been great. I've enjoyed this today. I know. Well, if you guys are out there in Radio Land and you have a question or a comment, you can shoot those in on our text line, 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe and be cool. Bye.